How many Canadians, Americans, and dual citizens does it take to record one podcast episode? Today we're talking with Megan Oakley and Annika Tarasovic. Megan did her PhD in computational chemistry at the University of Alberta in Edmonton and is now a postdoc at the University of Minnesota in Laura Galliardi's group. Annika just recently completed her PhD in organic synthesis at the University of Toronto and is starting a postdoc at UT Austin in February with Cami Hull. In addition to their day jobs, they serve on the organizing committee for the Logic 2020 retreat taking place on May 23rd uh, through 24th in Winnipeg, Manitoba, just before the 103rd annual Canadian Chemistry Conference and Exhibition. At the CCCE, they are organizing a session on equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, is, is everything I just said true? Yes. <laughs> Back okay. to the 100% true. Okay, cool. Um, so um, clearly we like to start with serious questions at the periodic bagel. The caribou, the beaver, the loon, and the polar bear are all <laughs> featured on Canadian coins. Um, so which one is your favorite and why? We'll start with, with Megan. I'd have to say the polar bear. I think mostly because it's on the toonie, and that's the best coin name I've ever heard. Oh, that's so true. If you, if you don't know already, the $1 coin is called the loonie because there is a loon on it. And then the $2 coin is called the toonie because it's $2 but has a polar bear on it. Yeah. I, I've been watching, um, what's it called, uh, The Golden Compass recently, and there's mm -hmm. a bunch of polar bears, and, and they're pretty fierce. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> um, good choice. Um, I think for me, it's the loony. I don't know. It's so iconic for me. I'm just giving a loony away. But um, yeah, toonie is also a good option. We have, we have Megan and Annika here to uh, tell us a little bit about Canada, as, as well as this, uh, the, what used to be called the CSC, uh, the Canadian Chemistry Conference and Exhibition now, the CCCE. Um, before we get into that, Megan and Annika have prepared a Canadian citizenship quiz for myself and CJ to face off. And uh, I, I don't see how I could possibly win this. I think this is only <laughs> an opportunity for me to me as a Canadian to be embarrassed. So um, why don't we dive right in with that? Megan and Annika, what, what have you prepared for us? Okay, we have a multiple choice quiz, so perhaps a little bit easier. Okay. Uh, so the very first question is, I'm hoping a really easy question just to get us all in the mood and start thinking about Canada. Um, okay, is this for so, CJ or myself? Uh, it could be for CJ, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but also for you, Alex, you never know. I'll um, steal that if, yeah. if CJ gets it wrong. Yeah. So what song is Canada's national anthem? <laughs> is it wow. A, God Save the Queen, B, O Canada, C, Star Spangled Banner, or D, Amazing Grace? <laughs> <laughs> it is nice. B. Oh, Canada. <laughs> yes, it's perfect. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> okay, so question number two for Alex. Where does Canada rank in the world's largest countries? A, first, B, second, C, third, or D, fourth? Um, I'm going to go with B, second. I think number one is Russia. Is that right? Yes, that's it. All right, question number three. Which region covers more than one third of Canada? A, Central Canada, B, Prairies, C, Atlantic Canada, or D, Northwest Territories? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's D, Northwest Territories. Correct. Oh, nice. Amazing. 
All right, question number four for Alex. In which region do more than half the people in Canada live? A, Central Canada, B, Prairies, C, Atlantic Canada, or D, Northern Canada? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Central. Yep, that's correct. Central Canada is just like what? Is that Ontario and Quebec? Debated. Some people call that Eastern Canada, but um, yeah. yeah, Central Canada would be Ontario. I think it's like Southern Central Canada as well. Wait a minute. That's called Central Canada? Yeah, because the prairies so. are like Manitoba, Alberta, and Saskatchewan, right? Yeah, for sure. But that's the part that's, a, I, like, I forget. I should look at a map here. I'll pull <laughs> one up on my phone. But, like, I, of course, this is my, like, American, like, everything needs to align with America part. But the Midwest <laughs> is, like, because Ontario, ah, I guess Ontario is above Michigan. Yeah, like, why is Michigan the Midwest? I mean, that's... Like, it's pretty far east in my mind. But. Yeah, well, you could get into the whole what is the Midwest thing. It's very uh, – Sarah Katie would have lots of comments. Mid- the Midwest uh, is pretty much Canada, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like Canada could take over the Midwest and, like, you know, the U.S. wouldn't really notice. You know, there's the whole, like, is Minnesota part of the Midwest? Is, you know, North Dakota part of the Midwest? I think it's just Southern Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're outnumbered here, see. Are there meat lotteries in Canada? What? Yeah, I've never heard of this. <laughs> I, I, I think Atlantic Canada has like some sort of meat bingo. What? Um, so that's not. So let, let, let me let me explain. So I believe this is unique to uh, Minnesota or it's mostly in Minnesota that you can go to a bar and you can like put down like $10 on like they have a wheel and then they spin the wheel and like whoever gets it takes home like raw meat. Oh, I'm obviously Uh, going to the wrong bars here. (laughs) No. Okay. I I found it. Um, I was recently in Cape Breton in Cape Breton. They have meat darts. Wait, so I'm putting so, a stake on a wall. No, no, you, you just play darts, and okay. instead of money prizes, you get meat. <laughs> it, it might it might also be, I don't know if it's a, a Newfoundland thing as well, if it's just Cape Breton or, or what. But Amazing. Um, yeah, why isn't this on the quiz? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the fun ones later. <laughs> okay, who, whose turn is it? Uh, I think it's mine. Um, so how many time zones are in Canada? Um, A4, B5, C6, or D7? I, I think this is for me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 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 oh, crap. Uh, I believe that it is U.S. plus one. So if the U.S. has Eastern, Central, Mountain, and Pacific. So uh, I'm going to go with five. That's wrong. It's, oh. uh, it's five and a half. CJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's it, actually it six. six. Yeah, yeah. But Newfoundland has a half time zone. It's it's half an hour ahead of Atlantic time zone. That, that is that is truly ridiculous. I will never <laughs> forget that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I get a point for the steal there, right? Oh yes. <laughs> Are we keeping track of points? <laughs> um, I, what's important is I'm winning. <laughs> but the u.s also has um the hawaii time zone yeah right? and, yeah 
And is, is Alaska Pacific time or is that also another time zone? Uh, I don't actually know. Okay, question number six. Which province is the only officially bilingual province? New Brunswick. A- oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. <laughs> is that true? Yes. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Quebec is only officially French. Oh. Just French. Huh. Um, all right, so question seven. What does the word Inuit mean? Um, a Eskimo in the Inuktitut language, be home in English, see the people in Inuktitut language, or D, the Arctic land in Inuktitut language? Wow, that's really impressive pronunciation. I'm going to guess it's C. Yes, correct. Nice. Yeah. Okay, question number eight. What is the significance of the discovery of insulin by Sir Frederick Banting and Charles Best? A, insulin is a hormone that permits you to eat anything you wish. (laughs) B, insulin has saved 16 million lives worldwide. C, discovering insulin opened the doors to more discoveries. Or D, discovering insulin made doctors Banting and Best famous. Um, I mean... Like I feel like more than one answer is true, um, but uh, I, I guess I'm going to go with B. Yeah, that's right. I mean, did did they get famous for anything else? <laughs> I don't think so, but um, these answers are all part of the Canadian Citizens Test, and yeah, I found that question also kind of um, uncertain about which one was the right answer for that. Yeah, but I, I guess like more significant is saving 16 million lives than getting famous, um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really uh, interesting that I didn't know that Banting made the the Canadian citizenship test. Uh, there's only one like, so far as I remember, there's the old U.S. citizenship test and the new one, and I believe the only non governmental official on the old U.S. citizenship test is Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. So for question nine, um, what would I be take talking about if I said the phrase roll up the rim? <laughs> <laughs> A, when your mom tells you zip up your coat. B, hockey slang for a goal. C, Tim's Hortons contest. Or D, a snowboarding trick. Did this oh, really wow. make it onto the uh, citizenship question? No, these are just. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna guess B, the hockey thing. No, it's actually a Tim Hortons contest. <laughs> I, I regret I did not know that. <laughs> CJ, back back like maybe ten years ago, Tim Hortons had an ad campaign where you see like. A family of Canadians approaching the border and they realize, I don't know, like, I think they realize they don't have their passports and they say to the customs officer, roll up the rim to win. <laughs> and, and the officer like nods his head and uh, lets them through. And then like an American family comes through and they're like, uh, roll up the rim to win. And like, it, it, it was a, it was a whole thing. Um <laughs> I was actually just talking to the, talking to Caroline about this because uh, we were in in Paris over the holiday, and we were walking by the Canadian Embassy. And I'm thinking like, like they had this cultural center there, um, and we decided we want to go inside. And um, 
I'm like, oh, but like, we don't have our passports. Do you think we'll need our passports? And and this came up. I thought I'd just say like, roll up the room to win for that. Fortunately, we didn't need to do either of those things. <laughs> All right, question 10, right? Okay, question number 10, the final question. What is the most common denomination of Canadian tire money? Oh. Is, is this... Uh, this wasn't on the actual quiz or actual test? No. no. Okay, because this is also like a very important piece of Canadiana, uh, <laughs> CJ. You can never get rid of Canadian tire money. No. If you pay with Canadian tire money, you get more Canadian tire money. <laughs> Do you want the um, choices? Yeah, I'd like the choices. Okay. <laughs> so A is five cents, B, ten cents, C, two dollars, D, one dollar. Um. I'm going to go with 10 cents. No, that's incorrect. Really? It's five cents. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, this stuff actually looks like real money. Really? Well, like the Canadian Monopoly money, though. <laughs> yeah. Even more huh. so than the real Canadian money. <laughs> huh. Yeah. If you go to Canadian Tire and, and you buy anything, like, this is their, like, rewards points. But now yes. you can get it on a card, right? It's true. They're trying to go paperless. Yeah. Which is, a, it, I mean, yes, I get it, but it's also kind of a shame. Like, Canadian Tire Money is, is like, there's so much history there. It's iconic. Yeah, it, it is It is more Canadian than the Toonie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Toonie's been around since 1996, but Canadian Tire Money's been around since, like, the Don A. McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first Prime Minister, CJ. Uh, Sir John A. McDonald. <laughs> I regret I did not know that. Um, I had to I had to check it last night when I was studying for the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> we do have one more bonus question along the same lines. Okay. So who is on every Canadian Tire bill? Oh. Um, so the options it, are A. Sandy McTire, B. Bob McCrick. C, Joey Gallant, or D, Dougie Bradshaw? I don't know any of these people. Uh, Dougie Bradshaw sounds like something from, like... Is it from a hockey movie? That, yeah. I was, <laughs> is, is that the name of uh, Rick Moranis' character in one of those? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, the, the Bob one sounds remarkably Canadian. <laughs> I, I feel like the most Canadian names are Doug and Gord. <laughs> um, it's actually A. Sandy McTire. So, so he's a he's a fake person. He's a fake person. Oh, that's that's too bad. Did you <laughs> did you guys make up the other three names? Uh, yes. Because like D you did a really is, good job. D is my boyfriend's uncle's name. <laughs> it's also Canadian. Yeah. It must be, yeah, with a name, with a name like Dougie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. <laughs> Thank you guys for uh, for assuming yes. that. And uh, just to be clear, I, I was the real winner here, right? <laughs> <laughs> We'd like you to tell us about yourselves um, and maybe in like uh, the simplest terms possible, explain your theses you know, to, to my parents who, I, I don't know if we've revealed this already, but, you know, we have... A listenership of like two people and <laughs> um, so um so yeah tell us about yourself yeah 
Um, I'm Annika, and I grew up in Ottawa, uh, the capital of Canada, and I was there until the end of my undergraduate degree and then decided to make the big move to the big city of Toronto um, <laughs> to do my graduate work um, with, uh, with the professor, Professor Rob Beatty. And um, my thesis was basically on, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of reliving the whole horror of it a little bit. <laughs> um, but um, it, it was a great project, but it was kind of focusing on three different areas and using um, iminium ions, which are a reactive intermediate, and trying to use that kind of reactive intermediate in um, either creating new reactions and making new chemical scaffolds, um, as well as applying that in a total synthesis project, um, where I tried to make a chemical that was synthesized from a marine sponge. Cool. And Megan? Um, I was born in Prince Edward Island, so the tiniest province in Canada. Um, my the Idaho of Canada. <laughs> yes, Idaho of Canada, famous for their potatoes. <laughs> so my research is uh, focused broadly on excited states. So I worked on a few different projects on computing uh, spectra of different molecules. Um, so the first project was computing UV-Vis spectra of organic molecules. And so UV-Vis spectra, um, that's, that's how a molecule absorbs light at different wavelengths. Mm -hmm. That's, for, that's from, for my parents. <laughs> <laughs> also my parents. Also your parents. <laughs> um, and another project I worked on was some high energy spectra, so core uh, electron excitations. Um, and so this was mainly focused on the application to characterize different tautomers of nucleobases in order to understand any sort of mutations in DNA. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. And, uh, and now you're doing a postdoc in computational chemistry uh, at uh, Minnesota. I'm focusing on something a little bit different. Um, so now I'm working on some magnetism. So working on single molecule magnets and trying to understand some fundamental properties of um, actinide-based single molecule magnets. Cool. Whenever I, I hear about magnets now, I think of the Insane Clown Posse song. Where <laughs> <laughs> magnets, how do they work? And that is your postdoc. That's my postdoc. <laughs> so I, I feel like there's a lot of interest in, in like tiny magnets these days and i don't really know why like i mean other than it's a really cool concept is there an obvious application that they're oriented towards yeah so i think the main focus is to try and create um storage material so specifically oh, okay. for quantum computing they oh. want to create qubits created from maybe a string of single molecule magnets cool interesting yeah. Let's move into your work on the organizing committee for, for Logic 2020. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Logic Retreat, you know, some of the history behind it, uh, you know, who's coming uh, to, to speak at this event, how many attendees, like what, whatever you think is, is relevant for, for our listeners. So it's the uh, Leaders Overcoming Gender Inequality in Chemistry Retreat prior to the CCCE that happens annually. That was something that was started in 2017. And it was initially 
thought by the women in chemistry group at the University of Toronto to start something that would be a community-based event promoting EDI, so equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, I was part of that organizing committee in 2017, and I was the um, co-chair of that. And we took a lot of inspiration uh, from the ones um, in Puget Sound. With that first one, we had about 70 attendees, which had two different workshops, several speakers, and as well as a panel discussion. And I think it was just such a great way of getting um, the community to come together to talk about different um, issues in one room, um, especially for graduate students who didn't really have this opportunity to connect um, with people around Canada. And so since then, we've um, had one every single year. And so this year, it's going to be the fourth. And I guess Megan can talk about that one more. Sure. So um, I'm one of the co-chairs for this year's Logic. And we really took the framework from what Annika and University of Toronto had started in 2017, keeping with like quite a few plenary talks. We have people like uh, Jess Wade, who's pretty famous on Twitter. She is the uh, women uh, scientists on Wikipedia person, is she not? Yes, she, she does Fair. a lot of Wikipedia edit-a-thons. Yeah, that's, she does some like really cool work uh, bringing some gender equality to, to Wikipedia, and, and uh, that's cool that you're having her uh, come give a talk. Yeah, she really puts herself out there. Yeah. We've got... Um, James Gauld, who's a computational chemist. We have Vanessa Sung. We have Rebecca Mellon. Nimrat Obi, who's was part of the University of Toronto Women in Chemistry group. Ah, yes. And uh, we've got Ana Sofia Barrows, who's a project coordinator for equity, diversity, and inclusion at the University of Toronto. Cool. So we also have a few workshops. So Lisa Willis, who's also on Twitter. I don't believe she's a chemist, but she's going to be teaching us how to write EDI statements. And then we also have a, a workshop by an organization called Catalyst, and they'll be teaching us how to engage um, different allies in, in the different chemical industries. Yeah, um, so an EDI statement, That's uh, is that for um, different organizations to express their commitment to um, equity, diversity, inclusion? Yeah, so this is something that I guess many grant proposals require now. I think also a lot of job applications require this now too, but really, I think what she'll talk about is how you need to include things like what you've done in the past and how you'll promote um, inclusivity in your institution going forward. Great. Can you think of ways in which EDI issues affect chemists differently than than other scientists or other other fields? I don't think that there's anything specific, but I find that if you have such a wide net where you include everybody in STEM that perhaps people would get lost and not feel like they belong to that sort of group, even though that they're in one of those letters. So I think having some more focused groups, so inclusivity in chemistry, women in chemistry groups, really helps you find people that are like you. In your field. In your field, yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that I've, I've found, um, I think I, I attended the CSC, uh, now CCCE, uh, a couple of years ago, and I, I attended one of these um, uh, EDI sessions. And in my experience, at least, I, I feel like um, one of the challenges is that like the people who have the most to learn about diversity and inclusion aren't typically the people who are attending these sessions. 
Um, and so I was wondering, like, what are your thoughts on, you know, how do you get these messages to the people who need to hear it most? That is exactly why we're trying to host that EDI session on allies this year at the CCC. Um, that is a special session that is occurring um, this year. And so that is just trying to focus on bringing together um, people who have a voice um, to talk alongside marginalized groups. Um, since a lot of people really don't know where to start and education, I think, about EDI is probably the most important thing um, to go forward with trying for trying to have diversity and inclusion and equity across all disciplines. So, so you're bringing people in who are interested in outreach and teaching them how to do the, that kind of outreach. Exactly. Yeah. So um, right now we have two people um, who are invited speakers um, and one is Professor Michelle Hogue from the University of Lethbridge, and she is trying to bridge the cultures of Indigenous ways of learning and knowledge into STEM fields by making sure that Indigenous cultures um, and arts are also incorporated in the curriculum um, when talking about STEM and kind of making it more relevant through like environmental monitoring and land-based um, learning. Okay. And I understand um, you're still recruiting speakers for for this session, right? Yes, yes. There's um, open, um, so you can go to the CCCE. I like to call it the C3E. It's so much shorter and has a bit of more <laughs> ring to it. Um, C-cubed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you can go to uh, the website and um, just go to their open call for abstract submissions, and you can submit an abstract there. And, and what's the deadline for that? I believe it's February 10th. Okay, so we got a little time. All right, um, and maybe, maybe another question uh, here is, um, I think sometimes I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see events for women in chemistry or something like that, and they seem interesting. I'm not sure, you know, myself as a, as a man, am I, am I welcome in this space or, or not? How, how do you make it clear that, you know, when, when appropriate that, you know, allies are, are welcome in, in that kind of space? You know, this is a really good question. This is something we struggle with and a lot of other people struggle with as well. In my opinion, I think that all of these events would benefit from everybody included. So anytime we, I host one of these events, I make it pretty clear that everybody is invited, everybody's included. Having all of these discussions with just one demographic isn't going to help progress things. So I think that any time that I host one of these events, I want, you know, many different types of people to attend and, and learn from from what we're trying to do. Okay. Um, and, I mean, in, in the past, um, say for the, the Logic Retreat, do, do you typically get a number of, of men attending as well? Usually we get about between 10 and 15% male attendees. Okay. But, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, as things progress and our retreat gets a little bit bigger with a wider audience that people of all different genders would feel welcome to to attend great for the for the logic retreat we do have a poster session so we do have an abstract submission available for that so our poster session is kind of focused more on work that people do outside of academia but still benefit the chemistry community so whether you're part of a an outreach group or another inclusivity group we want you to come and present your 
um, research or your findings or even just show us about the, the good things that your group has been doing. Um, so we have abstract submission open for that. Additionally, um, registration cost is fairly low for this conference, but we do have application for ticket sponsorship up on our website. So if you're not able to find the funding to come, you can apply and hopefully get your ticket sponsored. So registration for Logic uh, is open until May, about May 1st. And I guess you can find all that information out on our website, www.quicknetwork, so cwicnetwork.com. Great. The, the CSC conference, um, it's, it's, a, it's a conference that I've attended, I think, now twice. Um, and as a, as a shout out to the conference in general, I've got to say, it's kind of like a less overwhelming ACS conference. It's, uh, I think, what, yeah. like two to 3,000 people tend to attend uh, of all chemistry stripes and I've never been to Winnipeg. It's being held in Winnipeg this year. And, you know, there's some great musicians from there. The Guess Who, John K. Mm-hmm. Sampson of the Weaker Thens, uh, my, my mm-hmm. Auntie Jody, um, <laughs> from Winnipeg. <laughs> Megan and Annika, do you have any other closing points? I think it's just important to remember that all are welcome to attend both of these events. And we are just really hoping that... Um, this podcast will excite you enough to come and attend. And maybe I'll just add on to that. Um, and not just attend, maybe come and be involved. Invo- come Sorry. and be involved and uh, su- submit abstracts uh, for these events. We really want many different types of people. Great. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, for joining us on, on the podcast this week. Good luck with Megan for with the rest of your podcast with the rest of your postdoc <laughs> <laughs> and Annika. Uh, good luck with the start of yours. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Megan and Annika. You can follow them on Twitter at Megan Oakley and Annika OVT. In this week's episode description, you'll also find links to submit an abstract or register for the upcoming Logic Retreat and EDI session. Thanks again to Brendan Burkett for designing our logo. You can follow him at ChemScrapes and to Caroline Landau for pointing our podcast title. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you choose. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast and feel free to leave us your feedback on Twitter at Periodic Bagel. This episode was brought to you by the letter C and the number three. Thanks again for joining us and we'll talk to you next time. CSC, uh, now CCCE, CCCE, C2E, Triple C, C3, the CSC. <laughs>